0: Your state. Your team. Your show. This is Sports Nightly. Two wide outs to the left. Mills in the backfield with Martinez. Andering gets the snap, gives it off to Mills.
1: Mills picked away. He's got a 40, 40.
0: Check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Tim Curran. Got a week of Sports Sightly underway. How lucky are you? (laughs) You'll sit and listen to us for a couple of hours. Huh,
1: Tim? I mean, come on. That's like winning the lottery. (laughs) You know, we're just here. We're giving the people what they want. (laughs) We're here to bring warm cheer to everyone in these uncertain times, a phrase you've heard far too many times, and I mean, right now there's baseball on my TV, I don't know how much longer I'm going to be able to say that, but right now, I can say it
0: Oh yeah, there's two games going on, I was watching the, I saw the A's finish off the Angels, the A's by the way, my pick to to win the AOS, they're 3-1, Padres are playing the uh, the Diamondbacks and winning that game tonight, you've got at least on my my uh, package sports package, I'm going to have the Royals and Tigers coming up, and I think then it's the Red Sox is the Red Sox and Yankees? Maybe a little bit later on tonight. So uh, lots of baseball going on. Let's start there because that's been the biggest story of the day, and that was the news of the Marlins who uh, yesterday it came out before their final game of their series in Philadelphia that they had a couple players test positive. They did a a full test of the team, and then they didn't leave them. They did not let them get on a plane and fly out of Philadelphia last night. They stayed, got their test results this morning, and it was worse. You had 12 players, two, two staff members, so 14 uh, of their members of their travel party tested positive. And so they are still in Philadelphia, to my knowledge. And their home opener tonight with Baltimore has been postponed, uh, delayed, canceled. And then the Yankees were coming into Philadelphia, so they were going to use that same clubhouse that the Marlins were in all weekend long. They want to fumigate the place and clear it out. So the Yankees not playing tonight at all. And I think the reaction early today, Tim, was that that's it. Baseball's done um you surprised that they didn't pull the plug
1: well yes and no I think that if it were just the Marlins because right now we don't really know I mean if 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 the Phillies or or Yankees start getting some positives and multiple of them then yeah I wouldn't be shocked if Manfred were to pull the plug you know tomorrow but I think right now what MLB is probably trying to do is just to see if was this just a localized outbreak to the Marlins and can they keep it contained and is this going to be the only sort of flare-up um, but there are just so many questions that you know it, it number one how did these players get it I mean I guess it's hard to you can't really bubble it up when you're traveling halfway around the country so that's probably where they got it maybe I was at an airport or I know they probably fly private a lot so I'm not really sure how that all works but the other thing too is Instead of shutting down, I know they have that the 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 taxi squad. They might be able to lean on. I don't know if the the Marlins can do that, but I mean we, we are getting close to to somewhat of a disaster because you know the NBA has gone off without a hitch so far, MLS has gone off without a hitch again so far, NHL I think the same deal. But Major League Baseball because they don't have a bubble now. You have the Marl. Oh, I think thirteen it was that that tested positive. And that just starts raising some concerns because you think, okay, well, they just played the Phillies and they just played uh, – or they're going to play the Yankees. And did any of those guys get it? And then does this just start spreading across the league if they don't – and and the the other thing is, can you make these games up? Because they said it's postponed, but – there's not really a lot of room on the back end of the schedule to make these games up, so I I don't know. There's just so many unanswered questions right now that we're all just kind of walking on eggshells, just kind of thinking, I hope they don't cancel it, but really not knowing what's going to happen.
0: Well, it was a divisional. No, no, tonight's games were not divisional. They were playing. Well, they're playing Baltimore, who they're going to play a little bit on the opposite end. Here's my thought: is that you're probably going to have more flare-ups like this as we go through the next two months. And so teams are going to have games canceled by this. What I think you do, you know, I think it, when the regular season ends, if you've got games that still need to be played to complete your playoff picture, I think you're going to have to go back and play them. You're going to have to finish You're going to go back and play them. So maybe the playoffs are delayed a week to, to get some games in that may decide who gets that last playoff spot or who wins the division or comes in second or gets one of those things. So you may have to have a buffer. You do have – I think there's six six – six or seven built-in days That's, off. I think well, they, six. Could go, they could go make up a doubleheader one day when they have to play that. Uh, because of the expanded rosters, you can handle doubleheaders a lot better than if you were at the 25-man roster, which is normal for Major League Baseball. So they're, they, they're going to have to be creative. They're going to have to – and I think this isn't it. It's not going to stop in the Marlins. It, it, it may be another week or two before somebody else has a flare-up. But I think, Tim, we're going to have some of that. And I think the message for the rest of the pro leagues – and you know the NFL's watching this too. Is we're going to have to be flexible with this whole thing. And, and uh, there's already a story up at cbsports.com about the NFL may not get their full 16 games in. They may have to, to to ratchet it back a little bit and build in some more bye weeks for teams to overcome some of these spikes that I think are going to pop up over the next three four months.
1: Right. I think you know. Unfortunately, I think you're right. Um, I think the NFL has at least one advantage in that you could go to sort of a, a weird schedule where you maybe you're playing every other week instead of every week, but then yeah. getting a full 16 games and probably wouldn't work in that scenario. Maybe you cut it down to 12 and they already don't have a preseason. So that's, that's already impacted them there, but you're right. I mean, there are going to be more flare ups um, because in major league baseball, you can't really do a bubble type thing where you're only playing in one stadium or one or two stadiums. That wouldn't really work trying to get all those games in. So their, their hands are kind of tied to that perspective, but I mean, yeah, you're right. Uh, there there are probably some ways they're going to have to get creative. Maybe it doesn't happen under that same format as you were saying. Maybe they have to push the playoffs back by a week. It might be more than that, uh, given, given how many of these flare-ups do occur. But, I mean, you could still hold out hope that this was just a – you know, incident of maybe there was one guy... Because the other thing I'm, I'm kind of curious about, too, is is I, you don't want to make this into a witch hunt type scenario, but you kind of wonder how the the player or whoever the staff member was that contracted at first, it, were they... You know, quarantining. Were they wearing a mask? And, and where, where did they go? Do something stupid like you know go to a massive party or go to a barbecue and pick it up there. So I don't know. And th- that probably doesn't matter in the whole grand scheme of things. But you just hope that major league baseball players have to be extra precautious so that they don't start spreading this thing around when you don't have a bubble type thing. So that's that's just my only concern. But I'm still keeping my fingers crossed. I mean, for now there's there's a few games looking at the schedule it looks like yeah the Cubs and Reds that that's postponed Yankees Phillies was postponed White Sox Indians Orioles and Marlins obviously postponed but the rest of the games tonight like you said Royals and Tigers Mets and Red Sox those are still going on as scheduled and there's been no announcement for the weekend or, or, or for or for the rest of the week's game so uh, I guess right now you just kind of have to cross your fingers and cross your toes and hope for the best
0: yeah, you got weather issues right now for in both Cincinnati and Cleveland. That's why those games are having trouble getting going tonight. It has nothing to do with COVID. It's just Mother Nature's jumping in there and dropping some raindrops uh, in there. Now, uh, flexibility is going to be the whole key for all of this. And and it's kind of going to be the I, I'm not going to say new norm cuz I think we're going to get back to some stability in the, in the next year, but I think for the for the next 3 to 4 months And we saw it over the weekend in college football. Oklahoma set to open their season September the 5th against Missouri State, announced we're going the last Saturday of August. We're bumping her up. We're going week zero. We're going to get a game in, get a week off. KU lost an opponent with New Hampshire deciding not to play football this fall. They go out and get Southern Illinois. And they go, we're going to play week zero. Give us another bye week to put in there. So already you're seeing in college football teams that are going, we're just going to get creative here. We're going to start building our own bye weeks in there, see if we can get this thing in. So I think sports fans, you better just be flexible on what you're going to have to do. And, and, the, and these organizations, universities, all, they're going to have to be creative in how they try to get this thing in.
1: Right. They're gonna, yeah, they're going to get in by, by hook or by crook. And, you know, I kind of smiled a little bit when I saw that news because it's almost like the Big 12 is, is thumbing their nose at the Big 10 a little bit because they're actually bumping these games up to play non-con mm-hmm. games. And, and it does make some sense from the standpoint of, I mean, really the only reason and probably the major driving point. Why the Big Ten canceled non-con games was was because of that story that came out about SDSU fearing that they didn't have the resources to test all their players. Um, Because from the other perspective of – you know, I think the idea being that oh well they're just playing games kind of in that region, um, but you know Nebraska having to play Rutgers, I mean traveling halfway across the country that doesn't make a ton of sense if you're if you're talking about a region perspective. So, I mean yeah, I mean if Oklahoma and Kansas if they wanna if they wanna bump a game up to the to week zero the end of August and then have that cushion in between, I mean to me as long as you're regularly testing and just and just being on top of things, there shouldn't be so much of a problem, especially for that first game when you've had guys on campus for a while you've had them localized you've had them semi-quarantined and you know relatively speaking which guys are healthy which guys are not um that shouldn't be a huge deal and you just hope that it's going to be a ginormous task for the coaching staff to make sure these guys are all accounted for make sure that like on the weekend they're not you know going out to a bar with 250 plus people you know cramming in there. I mean, in fact, there's probably a lot of states and cities you probably still can't do that. So but it's just gonna be a matter of can the coaching staff keep everyone kind of corralled to use a <laughs> to use a awkward phrase just just make sure everyone is staying responsible here making sure no one's putting anyone in jeopardy and, and hopefully be able to see the season out.
0: We still haven't seen the revised Big Ten schedule. I am told by several sources it's out. The schools have it. But they've not officially released it, and that's going to have to come from the conference office. So um, we we thought maybe today would be the day that that popped out. I think it's definitely going to be this week that the Big Ten says, "All right, here's the here's the schedule, here's who everybody's going to play, and when." Right now, we have them scheduled to play. Uh, so I think I'm I'm anxiously awaiting that. I want to see what it looks like. Do they? just go with what they had and then sprinkle in and enter one more opponent or do they completely shuffle it up and change it? Uh, So I can't wait to see it, but I was told today on two different occasions that the schools do have the schedules. The league has shared that with them, but they just have not made the formal announcement. So waiting on pins and needles for that. All right, here's what we have on the show tonight. Jeremiah Searles coming up here in a couple of minutes. Going to check in with him. We love hearing his Husker Huddle conversations on Wednesday night. This Wednesday it's going to be Tommy Armstrong. He's going to be sitting down with us. us. But um, I'm going to sit down with Jeremiah here in a couple minutes. We're going to talk a lot of things, get his thoughts about the NFL coming to an agreement with the NFL FLPA, so that they can get their camps opened up. They were there were some concerns in the players' association, and rightfully so, about uh, the health standards of this. What's the testing going to look like? What's the protocol going to be if somebody tests positive? You have Tim seen news today of some teams saying we've got four guys that have tested positive. We're putting them into isolation, or we're separating them from the rest of the team. Maybe a little easier to deal with from the NFL standpoint because they can they can go to a waiver wire and pull somebody in to help fill a body for a practice spot. It may be a little bit easier for them, but you are starting to see some of that around the NFL as well with guys as they ramp up their testing uh, throughout the league.
1: Right, and the NFL's had so much time to prepare for this, and you are seeing – you know, the, the NFLPA and already made an agreement with the league. I mean, they're they're scheduled to, to go on, but, you know, I, I did see some articles, too, about players raising concerns and they're not going to get hazard pay, all this stuff. And you do start to worry a little bit about that, but you're right. I mean, they still have the benefit of time on their side, not for too much longer now, but they still have a little bit of time to get this figured out. And again, because they aren't going to be in a, in a bubble situation, um, they're probably going to have to, like we said earlier, going to get creative with this schedule, or maybe they switch to a format where they're playing every other week or maybe the they don't get the full 16 games in but i don't know it it, i think i think there's still a there you can still be somewhat optimistic i think at this point there's no point in pulling your hair out i mean i don't have any hair left but i'm not i wouldn't be pulling it out quite yet because i think that there's still enough time for for people to to figure out what's going on get guys quarantined if they need to be and and let that get through their system and hopefully they can return to playing soon
0: One guy that's always hot on topic is Jeremiah Searles. He works with us here at the Husker Sports Network. We play his uh, segment every Wednesday night called Husker Huddle, where he sits down with former Cornhuskers. Some of them are his teammates. Some were not. Great stuff there, as always. Jeremiah, great to have you with us. I hope you and your family are surviving this crazy COVID summer that we're having
2: yeah man it's been it's been crazy first of all i hate being locked up at home um i i need to be out and about and doing things i'm, I'm as about as extrovert as they come uh, my wife on the other hand she loves it huge introvert loves staying at home so she's been finding ways to get me out of the house but it's been it's just been weird um, i mean seeing guys like spencer and Quali and for my first year being retired i fully expected for those all those guys to be gone off to ota's doing their thing and they've all been here and we've all been hanging out and it, it's just been really bizarre. Um, that's the best way I can think, describe it is there's no way like, well, why is this happening? Well, it's just kind of happening. And it, it seems like everything's changing day to day, but I mean, overall it's been, it's been good. I've been trying to ride the peloton as much as possible, lose some weight and start trying to get back into fighting shape here. So.
0: Well, let's start with the NFL angle. Last week mm-hmm. there was a, the, the NFL and the NFL PA apparently came to an agreement on, on how to handle the medical part of this whole thing. Uh, how optimistic are you that they can at least get camps underway here in the next week or so?
2: Oh, man, I was, I was feeling poor optimistic till I, I followed the Vikings, obviously, and I just saw they had to put like five guys on that COVID IR, including their head strength or head uh, athletic trainer, Eric Sugarman, now also has COVID. So it's just it's going to be things like that, of how serious does that make people start to worry Or is that something that we're just going to be like, hey, this is going to happen this season, so let's deal with it and move forward? Because it's going to be one thing or the other. It's going to be, nope, everything's canceled, can't do it anymore, push the whole thing because this is happening, or hey, this is going to happen regardless all season. It's impossible to go through the entire season without someone or some group catching some, this at one point in time. Like, let's start making protocols now during training camp and see how they respond so that when we get to season, we have everything kind of written out, which is what I hope they do. But, I mean, you saw with the Marlins um, today when they got the games canceled for, for baseball. So it's just, man, it's it's one of those things of how do you react? Do you overreact? Do you underreact? Do you do it just right? And, I mean, everyone's flying by the seat of their pants. But I think we'll get camp off the ground. I don't know if we'll get games off the ground just yet.
0: Is anybody going to their training camp sites? Are they all staying where they just work out during the season? Do you know?
2: Yeah, so all all off-site training camps have been canceled. Everyone's at their facility. Everyone's doing their thing. I mean, I have heard through the grapevine that teams like San Diego, San Francisco, I mean, coastal teams that states are still shut down, about moving entire organizations somewhere else so they can at least like practice and have things going. Um, So that's in the works for sure. But everyone's reporting to their facility because that's the best place they can keep everyone in their quote unquote bubble. Um, that's where they have all their facilities, they have all their testing, they have everything set up there. And then it's just going to basically be a show up every day, take your temperature, have your tests, see if you're negative, positive, and then try and go about your day as business as normal.
0: Again, visiting Jeremiah Searles. He works with us here at the Husker Sports Network. Let's bring it back to the Huskers now. They They have been together. Oh, most of the summer now this team has. Last Friday, the the clock got cranked up to 20 hours a week that they can spend with their coaches. They can even get out on the field a little bit. Kind of an OTA type thing for college football. Jeremiah, what, what are the chances that they do this one year and they like this kind of setup where you get kind of a little camp before you dive into the fall drills? You think that could happen? I think it could happen.
2: I don't see why they don't. I think the OTA setup that the NFL system has is fantastic. It's a ramp up period. I mean, it gives you, it's basically spring ball, but right before camp. I mean, it's very similar, but it's just not as intense as spring ball is. I mean, spring ball in college is look at all our shiny new toys, let's make them hurt each other and play each other type of thing. Versus like in the NFL, it's very much more like let's put an install in and like, but also it's it's much more development in college. So I don't know. I think that they'll like it. I think that they'll enjoy the the ability to kind of ramp up and then hit the ground running into fall camp versus here's our full summer program, take a couple weeks off, and then let's hit the ground running and hope that we're all caught up. Um, So I like the the schedule piece to it. I'd be curious to see how they would want to implement that when it's normal times, not COVID times. And I think that it could work, though.
0: You and I are on the same page about there's this really I don't see any way you can move an entire college football season to the spring and then ask those student athletes to come back in the fall. Tom should tell the Omaha World Herald had a piece over the weekend where he kind of outlined maybe breaking the season in two, get five or six games in in the fall and then a handful of games in the spring and then have that way be a complete year within one calendar school year. Could, could that work if you're not trying to play eight or nine in the spring, but maybe four in the spring? Would that be acceptable, do you think? No.
2: I, I think if you're going to do it, just do it, man. Like, if you're going to have football in the fall, have football in the fall and know that if you cancel the season, if the season gets postponed, you get five games, you get four games, whatever it might be, you can't turn around and have it back in the spring. It's just not – it doesn't make any sense. If you're going to have football in the fall at all – You are then saying that until next fall, September of 2021, there will not be competitive football against other teams again. I just don't think it's safe. First of all, that's the biggest thing, the safety for the players. I mean, you have to ramp yourself up so long to get into playing in game shape and season shape that by the time if you play five games in the fall, you then have to let your body recover when your body's really just kind of hitting its stride. I mean, your body finally has kind of gotten into this routine of what game week's like, what it's like to recover and how it works, and all of a sudden you just stop that, start training again, and then you have to try and, like, re-ramp up for the spring. I just don't think it would work from a safety or a strength and conditioning standpoint. But then also if you think about it from if the NFL goes the spring or goes all fall, what are those guys going to do that want to go to the NFL? I mean, then what? Are they going to be playing games or are they going to have guys that played half the year and then just said, screw it, signed with agents – moved on, said, I'm training for the NFL, because then the NFL is going to be like, well, we're not going to wait. Like, they're not going to wait for college football. they got to go on with business as normal. So I think that the spring football scenario for me is probably almost doomsday, worst-case scenario for college football. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that even if they could get – yeah, if they could get four games in this year, that's better than nothing. they tried, they did everything they could, and then guess what? World stopped and world said no, and we got to move on and wait till next fall. I just, the idea of trying to get these kids to play in, I mean, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Nebraska in February, too. Like, ooh, no, thank you.
0: <laughs> yeah, it might be a little frigid in those states for some Northern northern football all right uh, let's talk about this team a little bit uh, one of the big storylines in the offseason has been with matt farniak he move to the inside you played both guard tackle at nebraska what kind of adjustment is that going to be for matt
2: yeah you know i think this is a great move for a guy like farniak i think that he was a little out of position out there tackle but that's really good for him to get that experience out there and work with those speed rushers ed rushers But you move a guy like that inside who's just a massive human, right? I mean, you and I both sat there and shook Matt's hand. He's a big kid. And he's what I like to call a phone booth player. Like, let him get inside. Let him get used. The one thing that really is the biggest difference from moving from guard or tackle to guard is the timing and pass protection. So at tackle, you have to be very patient, right? You have to make you take your set. You let the defensive guy come to you. Once he gets in your, like, cylinder and your bubble, you strike him. At guard, I mean, they're on you right away. I mean, they're right there. You're going from your stance, hands, boom, right to the guy. And sometimes that takes guys a little bit of adjusting to get used to because you're you're used to, like, having a half a second or maybe even a full second before contact at tackle in the pass game, and then all of a sudden you move into guard and things are happening so much quicker. I mean, it's just, it's just the timing of everything speeds way up. I mean, you're closer to the ball. Everything's more condensed. you got guys on both sides of you now. So I think that not having a spring ball for a guy like Matt really sucks for him because I think he could be a really, really good guard, but he's going to be kind of figuring out as he goes here with training camp and with once season really just gets rolling. But I think he's going to be a guy that you'll see him just get gradually more comfortable and gradually better at it as the year goes on, and hopefully we get a full 10 games. I mean, he could be a guy that – I think could have the potential of being second team, first team, all big 10 type guard with just his raw brutal strength that he can just move guys with on in that uh, interior line of scrimmage.
0: Let's slide over a spot to the center position. How much improvement do you expect to see from Cam Jurgens this year?
2: I expect to see a lot. Um, this is another guy that I think really needed spring ball just to, again, have the game slow down for him. I think a lot of times last year, people focused on the snaps, but I think the snaps were going crazy because he was on, his mind was on a million other things. Um, As a center, which I've also, i played center in the league, you have to know that snapping is just like walking for you. You can't think about it. It's just got to be so second nature that you're just like, because you've got, you're looking at mic points, you're looking at safety rotation, you're looking at all these different things that if you're worried about, oh crap, the snap, you're not focusing on everything else that you need to focus on. And so I think a lot of times he was just playing too out of control in his mind, not necessarily physically. I think he just, the game was going about 50 miles an hour and his brain was going about a hundred. And so I think that if the game can slow down for him, he'll be just fine. So I hope that he's been snapping as much as he can. I mean, he should be snapping the ball a hundred times a day at minimum. And just taking his steps, walking through mental reps, just like how do I get up to the line of scrimmage? And it's like, okay, identify the front, identify the mic, identify our position group, make the call, snap the ball. And that's just he needs to have a process. Every center needs to have that process as they walk to the line of scrimmage that they go through every single time, run, pass, RPO, it doesn't matter. And so I hope he's developed that process. And I know Greg Austin talks with Al about it because he played the position as well.
0: Yeah, busy with Jeremiah Searles here on Sports Nightly on the Husker Sports Network. You mentioned Greg Austin, third year now as the offensive line coach here in Nebraska. So we've kind of seen what he likes to do, and we've also seen who he likes to identify on the recruiting trail. We've talked a lot in the last couple of months about how big that room is getting mm-hmm. from a size standpoint, 6'8", six, 6'7", six, guys, more like what we saw really during your year when you uh, saw guys like Quali yep. coming through and yourself what do you think that says about what they look for when they're trying to go identify future players?
2: I think they. I mean, you you got to have big guys up front. I think for. I mean, a, not a knock on any of those guys that played in the Riley area, but I mean, you start looking across the board and you'd be like six one, six two, six three, and and they're just not that big. And you're playing in the Big Ten against big human beings on the other side. You go into the NFL. What I mean, most NFL linemen, 6'4", 6'5", 6'6". I mean, so you got to recruit guys that have NFL talent you think that could have NFL talent that are just based off their size because you can develop everything else. You can't coach size. I mean, you can't coach a guy to be 6'7 and have a wingspan of 7 foot. Like, that's just God-given. And so I think that you want to go get some of those guys that have that raw talent because you can develop them into – very good players here at Nebraska and then hopefully move them on to the NFL where they can have great careers. But that all starts with just getting the framework in the door. So I think that they want that really that nasty big up front team that they, I mean that they kind of model after of road graders and then you sprinkle in these skill position players. You can just do a lot of things, but nothing matters if you can't get the ball run in between the tackles with big bodies.
0: Yeah, well, we've certainly seen that. Well, we've really enjoyed your Husker huddles on Wednesday. What's that been like for you, talking to some of your old teammates and then some guys that you haven't played with? What's it been like?
2: Yeah, it's been awesome. Uh, it, it is a little different going from interviewer to interviewee. Um, <laughs> and sometimes it, it, you start to like, well, you want to talk, and you're like, but I'm interviewing the guy. And so it's been awesome. Um, I've loved doing it. I love you guys over there at Husker Sports Network for giving me a chance to do it. And it's been a ton of fun. It's great to reconnect with some old guys and – really just kind of see what everyone's been up to. I think that's the great piece is some of these guys we haven't talked to in maybe a couple of years or three years. they they kind of been unplugged from the Huskers um, media world for a while. So just getting to reconnect with them and and see what they're doing. I think Quincy's interview last week was great because he's part of the NFLPA. He's in very plugged into all that, and he was able to give some great in-depth stuff. And then you get guys like Blake Lawrence who – completely ventured off and he's doing a CEO thing now. And I mean, I'm excited to get caught up with guys that aren't in football anymore, guys that have moved on and, and they're taking different avenues in life. I know that I'm trying to get Jordan and Wester camp to join and Josh Mitchell and, and guys that are just out there killing it in other things in life. Um, I think it's fun to keep up with those guys
0: too. Well, it's been really fun to hear those. We enjoy those every Wednesday night, keep it up and we appreciate you spending some, some of your Monday night with us tonight.
2: Absolutely, I appreciate you guys having me on, and as always, go Big Red.
0: Tonight we take a look around the Big Ten Conference, brought to you by Sinclair Oil, gasoline and oil products. Fill up your life and your vehicle with DinoCare, Sinclair's top-tier gasoline. Fields looks throws middle of the field toward the end zone, touchdown, Olave, twenty-seven yards. He dodges a guy at the one and jumps into the end zone, touchdown, Michigan, touchdown. 20, 10, touchdown! Touchdown, Illinois! Code to
2: the
3: 10, code to the 5, code! Touchdown, Wisconsin! Tonight. Daru in motion, an empty backfield. Palmer waits for the snap, and he's back to throw. Steps up, throws deep over the middle, caught! Touchdown, David Bell with the touchdown catch!
0: He took a big hit as he brought it in. David Bell gets the touchdown, his second of the season, and the Boilermakers draw first blood. The Purdue Boilermakers. Check out what's going on with Purdue and Mike Carmen of the Journal Courier, who's been preparing all day long, apparently, to be on Sports Adley tonight. We appreciate that. Mike, how you doing? Are you hanging in there?
4: Yeah, I take every assignment seriously. (laughs)
0: what give me the latest what's going on there are they have they had major infections or what are they practicing doing their little 20-hour week what's the latest with purdue football
4: well they are practicing they've moved uh, like most programs to the next uh uh, next part of uh, what the ncaa allows and uh, they're just kind of you know plugging along they've uh you know, Purdue announced last week uh, within the athletic department it, it it's had 27 positive tests uh, from June 8th and through, uh, through last week. Uh, so, you know, people are are testing positive here and there, but it hasn't uh, really derailed uh, anything. Football or uh, any of the other sports are doing, other than the people that test positive have to sit out, quarantine, and then uh get back after get get back after it after after that time's up
0: mike to your knowledge have any of the of the the twenty seven positives required hospitalizations
4: uh no purdue has uh purdue made that clear in it's uh release that uh, uh, none of none of the uh cases have resulted in any hospital stays
0: Oh, that's good. All right, here we go. The last year, I know was was a disappointing season for Purdue. There were there were obviously reasons for the injuries. Rond, Rondale Moore's injury certainly derailed the team a little bit. They had injuries at quarterback. Uh, kind of a reset button for Coach Brahm, wasn't it? After last season.
4: Yeah, I mean they just they're trying to stay healthy number one and get their their big guns on the field. You know, Rondale Moore is is the big gun and. You know, another big gun emerged last year with David Bell. So you've got two guys that uh, they want on the field together. And as as I went back and looked at last year, Bell and Moore uh, were on the field a combined 96 plays last year mm. in the first three and a half games. That's that's not a lot uh, when you're looking at a full season. So they need to get them on the field at the same time to, to really put some pressure on defenses. Then they have to figure out who's – Who's going to be their starting quarterback or will multiple quarterbacks play uh, this year because they have added a, a graduate transfer from UCLA, Austin Burton, to go along with Jack Plummer and Aiden O'Connell. Uh, so once camp gets going and once you know everybody knows if what's going to happen this season, you know what happens at the quarterback position is going to be a big deal at Purdue again.
0: Can they find a, a running game to help balance that offense at all? What, what's the status of the running game in your eyes?
4: Um, it, it needs to it needs to t- take a step forward. Uh, they were just young in the backfield last year, uh, but also uh, a lot of inexperience on the offensive line uh, played a role in that as well. They've they've got most of their line coming back. They're, they're scheduled to add a graduate transfer, Greg Long from uh, UTEP, but he's had some injury uh, issues throughout his career. Um, you know, I, I think ideally they would like to see him play right tackle. Uh, if, if, if they can get get that out of him. But, you know, Grant Hermans has been a pretty good anchor on the left side uh, at the tackle spot. But the, the offensive line needs to take a step forward. And King DeRue, you know, led the team in rushing last year as a true freshman. He needs to, he needs to be a little bit better, but also they need some other backs to step up and uh, provide, uh, provide some more uh, uh, spark out of the backfield.
0: Again, visiting Mike Carmen of the Journal Courier. We begin tonight our around the Big Ten report, starting with the Purdue Boilermakers. The other huge news in the off season was Bob Diaco being hired as the new defensive coordinator for Purdue. He was here uh, for the final year, of the Mike Riley era of Nebraska. What kind of impression has Coach Diaco made early on?
4: Well, uh, you know, probably probably a lot. You know, we didn't we didn't get to see a whole lot of spring practice, and they only they were only able to get eight practices in, but. In, in the parts that we saw, there was a three-four being thrown around. They they claim they'll go back and forth between a three-four and a four-three. And regardless of what uh, scheme they're in or alignments they're in, George Karloftis, uh had a had a nice freshman year for Purdue off the edge, and I think uh, he's poised to to do it again. Probably the biggest key for Purdue defensively and how. Bob is going to use uh, Lorenzo Neal and played all last year. Mm-hmm. and suffered a knee injury at the end of the 2018 season. Uh, didn't didn't get on the field last year. Um, may have re-injured something late in the year during practice. But if they can get him back healthy at the nose guard spot or the defensive tackle spot, uh, that will be a big big bonus for Purdue because the last couple years they've really struggled in getting some pressure on the quarterback and getting in the backfield and making um, producing enough negative plays back there.
0: It looks to me like, Mike, that front seven, if if he's healthy, and Carloftis certainly is an all-conference type of player, that front seven could be pretty salty.
4: Could be. They're, they're thin at linebacker. Uh, Derek Barnes uh, will probably move from in spot that he played Uh, last year and half of the year before that uh, back to his natural position of middle linebacker. Uh, They've added a junior college transfer Demarcus Mitchell, big guy who can, who can play linebacker, but also can come off the edge and they've shifted a safety Jalen Graham uh, down to an outside linebacker spot, uh, giving them a little bit more athletic ability at that place and a, you know, probably a hybrid guy that can, That can can come off the edge, but also uh, help you in 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 the pass game. So there's some there's some talent there. Uh, It just is it going to match with what Bob Diaco wants to do, and how does he utilize that personnel?
0: Well, uh, when the schedule was set a month ago, Purdue was was going to come to Lincoln to begin the season. We, we've still not seen an official release from the conference. How much do you think they'll mix things up, or do you think they'll leave kind of the blueprint that they had in place? What's your What's your best guess?
4: My best guess is they'll probably tear it up and start over. Um, it's it would be it would probably make sense to do that because I, my personal opinion is you know we don't know. A, when the season's going to start, B, and if we're going to get to the end of the season. So I, I'm in favor of trying to get as many of your your marquee matchups, your rivalry games into, into September and early October, just so those games are played. Uh, they're the best games the conference usually offers, uh, like Michigan, Ohio State, Purdue, Indiana, so on, Nebraska, Iowa. Uh, I, I just think they'll probably start over, put together a schedule that, you know, creates a lot of flexibility uh over over three months and then just kind of roll it out and see if 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 the Big Ten or any other conference can get to the finish line at that point
0: yeah yeah we're all just in a guessing game right now Mike always great to catch up thank you so much for being a part of this one let's hope we uh we have some real football here in about six weeks thank
4: you for having me
0: we've got Mike Carmen of the Journal Courier with us here breaking down the Purdue Boilermakers and Tim you look at this team and They've got parts, but they certainly have question marks as you look up and down this this roster.
1: Right, especially at at defense with with Bobby D, a name that, of course, Husker fans will be familiar with, taking over. Um, you like what they have at receiver and Rondell Moore and also David Bell. But at offensive line might be a little bit more of a question mark. And I'm not really sure. I mean, they desperately need a bounce-back year. But, you know, people are pretty confident in Jeff Braum. I mean, it's funny, Jeff Braum is almost – You almost hear him compare to Scott Frost all the time. They're both off the minds, and he almost jumped ship to Louisville but decided to stick around, and things didn't go that great. Now quarterback – that's going to be the biggest most interesting thing it'll either be jack Plummer, aiden connell or or austin burton and they might go with austin burton just because he had that one really really great game last year i know Plummer actually did end up getting benched i believe against illinois so purdue is a weird team to me because they could either have you could see him having kind of a flame out like they did last year or you could see him having an amazing season i'm not really too sure where that'll go right now but their defense if they can get that figured out if uh, if bob diago works this magic Then uh, who knows you might see the Boilermakers make some noise this season
0: you know the, the, he's had Coach Frost number I mean Jeff, Coach Brom's 2-0 against the Huskers since Coach Frost came here Nebraska certainly felt like they left one get away let one get away last year West Lafayette Nebraska had double digit leads a couple times in that game and couldn't deliver a knockout blow that was one of the more frustrating games but selfishly I would with thought with the Question-market quarterback, new defensive coordinator. I'm hoping they leave it alone and let that be the opening game for Nebraska to play Purdue. I think that would be a good time to play them right out of the gate before they kind of get settled in a little bit.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, because that's that's the best time. I mean, if you, you go back to, to last year with Nebraska, they never really got out of third gear when they played South Alabama. And so there's going to be a little bit on both sides where both teams are kind of knocking the, knocking the dust off. Um, but really, it'll be – an interesting gauge to see how purdue season will go if they if they can do good against dear old nebraska you then that would bode well and they had a really interesting non-con of course that's not going to happen anymore but they would have played memphis they would have played air force and, the, and boston college in there so that actually might be really beneficial for purdue that they got some of those games canceled because memphis is a scary team to play and air force are are no joke either so yeah nebraska and purdue we're set to set to start anyway. And they're two teams that like you were right you're saying, Greg, they're they're similar in a lot of ways, both offensively offensively minded and uh, and Bob Diaco's return. Unfortunately we we won't know how, how the fans uh well probably not. We're going know how they would treat yeah. his reunion, but uh but hey, it'll still be an interesting matchup and I'm crossing my fingers. We haven't seen the schedule yet, but I'm hoping that's uh that still maintains uh the course.
0: All right. There's Mike Carmen as our first Around the Big Ten breakout with the Purdue Boilermakers. We'll have another one for you coming up on Wednesday night show. It's the Sports
1: Nightly Preseason Top 25 tonight. Daniels is rolling, out, looking for a downfield shot. Locks it to Darby, that is and dances into the end
4: zone.
1: What a throw by the first three. Number 20, the Arizona State Sun Devils.
0: And here to tell us all about the Sun Devils is Doug Howler from The Athletic. Doug, we appreciate you coming on here. A lot of optimism has to be for ASU football. Herm Edwards has got this thing going in the right direction, doesn't he?
3: Hey, uh, yeah, he does. It's, it's year three under Herm, and, you know, as everyone remembers, the hire was not uh, universally <laughs> uh, applauded. So, you know, that first season he made some progress, last year a little bit more, and, This year they have a lot of things lined up for them to to take that next step, and they're hoping to contend in the pac 12
0: Tell me about the shakeup on the coaching staff. He changes both coordinators after last year.
3: Yeah, well, the offense, you could kind of see that coming. Uh, Rob Likens was uh, the previous coordinator, and he was uh, on the previous staff under Todd Graham. And when uh, they made the coaching change at the quarterback at, at that time, Manny Wilkins, uh, had had a different coordinator every year he had been there. So they wanted, just for the sake of continuity, they wanted to, um, you know, keep somebody, a familiar face. So they elevated, they promoted Rob Likens from receivers coach to offensive coordinator. And it just wasn't a good fit. And not all of that was Rob's fault because, you know, last year they had an offensive line that they started two true freshmen. So it was, it was really difficult. They started a true freshman quarterback as well. Um You know, but they only averaged about 25 points a game, and that's just not going to cut it if you're going to contend for a conference title. So they made a change there and brought in Zach Hill from Boise State. Um, Everyone kind of knows Boise State's reputation as far as uh, being creative with what they do offensively, and and that's what they're hoping to do there. And then defensively, uh, they lost their defensive coordinator, Danny Gonzalez. He left to become uh, the head coach at his alma mater, New Mexico, and that was something that – that I think you, people could see coming. Uh, Danny was very well-respected within uh, the athletic department. Uh, but ASU had a pretty good uh, fallback plan. They, they uh, promoted Antonio Pierce, was the linebacker's coach, former NFL uh, linebacker, uh, you know, did some great things in the NFL, played in the Pro Bowl, won a Super Bowl. And then they also have this guy by the name of Marvin Lewis, who coached in the NFL for nearly two decades. Uh, He was an analyst or an advisor to Herm Edwards last year. Uh, They made him co-defensive coordinator as well. So they have uh, two guys there. They're changing up the scheme a little bit. But as far as football knowledge and expertise, uh, there's there's definitely no fall, uh, fall off there.
0: It's an NFL type staff with those two guys on there. Jaden Daniels was terrific last year. Doug, t- tell our audience a little bit about him, and where do you where do you think he can still grow as a quarterback?
3: Well, I mean, everybody kind of knew um, but he came in. Uh, he was rated, I think, as like the, the number two uh, dual threat quarterback in high school his senior year. Put up just crazy video game-type numbers. Everyone knew he would get a chance to start. And, you know, it didn't take long when he was here for spring ball as a true freshman he enrolled early that he was probably going to be the guy. But everyone expected growing pains, and to be honest, there there weren't many. You know, I think uh, in the second game of the season at Michigan State, and you know, that's a pretty – as as your listeners know, that's a pretty crazy environment – um, you know he leads the game-winning touchdown in the final minutes, and that, that's that was the first sign that the kid was different. He just doesn't he doesn't react negatively uh, to pressure, and for someone that young, that was pretty impressive. He led Arizona State to three comeback wins uh, like that: one against Michigan State, one against Cal, one against Washington State. Uh, he made probably the play of Arizona State season against. Uh, Number six Oregon that knocked Oregon out of the playoff race there late in the season. Third and sixteen through a a pass down the sideline to their top receiver Brandon IU. Just really poised Uh, through seventeen touchdowns, just two interceptions. Doesn't make many mistakes. Where he can be better is his accuracy. Um, You know he wasn't. You know some of the you know short to intermediate throws he can be. He was. He needs to be a little bit better at the deep ball. He's pretty good. Um, And then just. You know, choosing to use his legs. I mean, he he, he can do that. Last year they kind of, um, you know, didn't want him to do it as much because they really tried to keep him from taking big hits. They were trying to be really protective of him. But that's an element that they want him to showcase a little bit more this year, and I think we'll see him uh, add that to his game.
0: Again, visiting with Doug Holler from The Athletic, talking about Arizona State. We have the Sun Devils at number 20 in our preseason top 25. Okay, Daniel's back, but top receivers, a couple of top two or three are gone. Benjamin is gone from that backfield. What about the weapons around Daniel's?
3: Yeah, that's a question mark. Yeah, They do have talent. It's young talent. Uh, they brought in two four-star running backs, um, uh, DeMonte Trainum from Ohio and Daniel Nagata from California. Uh Very talented. We're here for the spring, but they're freshmen. And, you know, the receiver position is is very similar as well. They do have a kid by the name of Frank Darby who's a senior, uh, who's a big play threat. You know, he averaged almost 20 yards per catch last year, which ranked 10th nationally. Um, You know, he's really good at getting behind the defense and making plays there. Is he as well-rounded as Brandon Ayuk was? Brandon Ayuk was a first-round draft pick. Probably not, um, but he he is a weapon. He is dangerous. And then, you know, they have a lot of youth. They they have uh, they signed four kids who were top 100 receivers last year in high school. But you know, it's just it just depends on if they're ready to make the jump. None of those four were here for spring. Uh, ASU was among the fortunate schools. They got in seven spring practices before everything was shut down. Uh, and, you know, in the new offense they're running, it's a little bit different, and the receivers have a little bit more responsibility. So it really is going to depend on whether or not they can pick up those things. But, you know, when you lose, you know, Benjamin, who's one of the best rushers in school history, when you lose a receiver who's a first-round draft pick, that, that without question is a concern replacing those guys.
0: Doug, let's talk defense a little bit. How, how will the adaption from the 3-4 the to the 4-3 work in your eyes, and what kind of stars are on that side of the ball for the Sun Devils?
3: Well, they're they're going from a three three five to to a four three, which is more of a traditional uh, scheme, of course, and that's that's what Marvin Lewis and Antonio Pierce. Uh, that's kind of their background. Um, all, they they return eight starters from last year. Um, they have a group of guys that they started as true freshmen in Herm's first year, and this is their third year now. So they're they're past that kind of um, you know learning phase, and now it's time for them to kind of step up and, and be. You know, maybe not off pack 12 caliber players, but you know, closer to that to that level. Um, so they're they're expecting big things. The big thing for for Arizona State on that end, their corners are solid. They have a four-year starter on one side. They have a former five-star high school prospect on the other. Their linebackers are good. Their, their back end is solid. It's just going to depend on the pass rush. Um, last year they played Colorado, and you know they didn't get. You know, I remember standing next to the, the Colorado's quarterback, Steven Montez, at the end of the game, walking off the field. I noticed he didn't have – he had a, a white uniform on. He didn't have one grass stand anywhere. Wow. So I took a picture of it. I went back and I watched the game again. They didn't touch him one time. <laughs> Not one time did they lay any any hand on, on the quarterback. And, you know, he, he picked them apart. And that's the big thing. If they can find a way to, you know, find – to get pressure on the quarterback, they should be they should be pretty good. They think they have the corners that can uh, allow them to um, play man coverage, so that could help out there. But that's really their big question mark is if they can find a a pass rusher that can just cause problems.
0: Okay, the Pac-12, like the Big Ten, is not going to play non-con. Any idea? Is the schedule out yet? Do the schools have it? I know they're looking at the 19th of September to start. Has the schedule been officially released?
3: It has not. They're thinking um, about the last thing that they announced is that they were hopeful that it would be announced this by the end of this month. Uh, there have been reports that have leaked that said they're looking at, you know, a 10 game schedule, adding, adding one more game to what they already have. So, um, you know, I think everyone's just kind of in waiting to see mode to see, you know, if, if even that gets changed, but I do think that they'll probably announce something soon. It sounds like it'll be a 10 game schedule. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll, we should know, I would think, maybe by the end of this week, and hopefully we will. But who knows? Um, as you guys know, this thing seems to change week by week.
0: Oh, hour by hour. Uh, have the have they have the Sun Devils stayed healthy? Have the has has the virus made its way through the team at all? Have they been very transparent with what the, what's going on with testing?
3: They have not. They they uh, before they started voluntary workouts in June. Um, they had like a zoom call with the media and kind of explained what their procedures were as far as bringing back players, how they were going to phase them in as a team, Um, you know, their protocol for being in the facility, having masks on at all times, leaving, coming in the same door, walking the same way to the, to the locker room, to the weight room, you know, no lingering leaving out the same door, you know, their key cards to the facility don't even work anymore. So it's not like they can just come and go as they please. So they have, I mean from everything they said, from the get-go, it sounded it, it sounded pretty impressive that they were you know, taking this seriously and they had a pretty good plan in place. ASU is one of the schools that do not release uh, any testing information whatsoever. Um, so do, have they been totally clean? <laughs> Probably not. I mean, Arizona is a state that's really had a spike here in the last month. but as far as how bad it's been, I, I, I can't answer that.
0: Well, Doug, as we sat down and put together our top 25, we really see it as kind of a battle between ASU and USC for this South Division title. Is that how you would handicap it?
3: Yeah, and I would probably give USC just uh, you know the slight edge right now um, just based on what they have returning. And, and another thing I didn't mention with Arizona State is the offensive line. Um, last year was probably the worst in the Pac-12. This year they went and got a couple of grad transfers, one from Texas A&M, uh, Kellen Deish, who didn't start. Uh, but, you know, they didn't waste any time in spring putting him left tackle. They have really high hopes for him and then Henry Hattis is another guy he's a Stanford grad uh grad transfer he did start before he got hurt last season so they feel like they've upgraded their offensive line but that that's kind of you know the offense and defensive line is kind of the question marks i have which is why i would give them uh put them just a slight just slightly behind usc but i do think Um, You know, I think Jaden Daniels is a special talent. And obviously everything, especially in the preseason, starts with the quarterback. So, you know, I I would put them right there as as the contenders in the Pac-12. Yeah,
0: very good. Doug, we appreciate it. Thank you so much. Hopefully we're covering games here in about six weeks.
3: (laughs) I I hope so. I appreciate you having
0: me. Greg Sharp, Tim Curran, Austin Orman back in our broadcast studio running the show. Time for this weekend's Weekend Winners. Tim, why don't you lead us off.
1: Well, I've got an interesting story. You guys might have seen this pop up uh, on the social media over the weekend, but there was a local news reporter in Florida who got an email from a viewer warning her that while she was watching the broadcast, she noticed that she had a lump on her neck and she better get it checked out. And turns out it was a type of cancer. So this viewer actually saved this reporter from a pretty scary situation.
0: Say that again. So she's watching the news.
1: Yeah, so a random viewer is watching the news yeah. and sees a lump on this reporter's throat, sends an email to this reporter saying, hey, you I had the same that- issue. You have to get that checked out. And the reporter guy checked out figured out it was actually cancer. Oh, my goodness. Wow. So it's uplifting in the sense that she actually was able to get it diagnosed and then get it you know, figured out. Obviously, it's not uplifting to find out someone has cancer. But if this viewer hadn't been watching that day, then she would have just been carrying on, not knowing that she was in you know, some had a health concern.
0: That's great! Fantastic! All right, Austin, what do you have?
5: (laughs) Well, nothing that can match that. Tough act to follow. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) Well, my I I have two. Can I do two? Have yeah. Okay. So my my initial one was Brady Singer, Royals pitcher. Oh, Uh, baby. How good was he? Real good. The Royals lose day one. They come back with a rookie pitcher in game two against the Indians, and all he does is go five innings, three hits, seven strikeouts on 80 pitches, about 16 pitches an inning, those 7Ks. He was really, really good, bordering on fantastic. That's a great sign for the Royals. My second winner is a, a late entry to the weekend winners just popped earlier today. Phillip Rivers. Now, I ben Ben's sold.
0: favorite quarterback in the NFL, by the way.
5: Yes, Ben McLaughlin's favorite quarterback. He uh-huh. would adopt him as a son if he could. <laughs> I'm still trying to be won over by Mr. Rivers, but he walked into the Colts facility in Indianapolis today wearing a Hickory High T-shirt. That's great branding. It's smart. It's savvy. You're walking right down the street from Hinkle Fieldhouse. So, you know, he, he took a step or two in my book today. So congratulations, Philip Rivers. Doesn't Philip Rivers
0: have like 10 kids?
5: He's got so many. Yeah. I think he and his wife can actually field a football team.
0: Yeah, I mean it, yeah. it's a huge, huge family. And Philip Rivers is hard to watch play because he whines so much on the field. But I am told he is a he's a great guy. He really is, and so that doesn't surprise me. That he did that. All right, um, my winner is Anthony Rizzo. I don't know if you guys caught this. This is the Cubs first baseman. Well, they they're opening game on Friday night against the Brewers. Orlando Arcia gets a base hit, so Arcia stands at first base. Rizzo, out of his back pocket, pulls out a little hand sanitizer bottle and puts it out for Arcia to put it on his hands and wipe it down. So there's Rizzo trying to make sure everybody is. You know, staying staying healthy, keeping the virus away from them. What a guy. I mean, that's exactly what you would expect out of a Cub, Tim. Something like that.
1: (laughs) No. How dare you? I mean, trying to frame Cubs players as actual, genuine, decent human beings, I can't believe you would do such a thing. Well, I'll tell you who my weekend winner isn't. It's not Rob Manfred. And I'll leave it at that. What do you have wrong with him? What'd he do? <laughs> I just, he's got a situation on his hands, Greg. That's why. He, not, he's, not, it's not, not, I'm, I'm not, ain't, I have no animosity towards him. I'm just saying he probably didn't have a great weekend. That was my point.
0: Yeah, he probably did not wake up today feeling great. But I, you know, he, I saw his interview tonight on MLB Network. He did a good job. He said, hey, we knew this was going to happen. We're not shutting it down because one team's got some outbreak. Obviously, if it goes beyond the Marlins then they got an issue, but man, Tim's Tim's ready to shut baseball
1: down. <laughs> it's unbelievable. No, I'm not. No, we're good.
0: What a good hour! Good to hear from Mike Carmen as we previewed Purdue in the start of our Around the Big Ten series and told you that Arizona State's now in our top twenty.